some time tonight talking about kind of some of the nuts and bolts associated with the, the search process. Um, just some different pieces of that to really keep in mind um, as you're thinking about crafting a gap year experience. Um, Annabelle, as I had shared with everyone else, I had a, I facilitated a workshop last week that talked more specifically about broad stroke options for you know things to think about for gap year experience. So if you're interested in, in receiving the the PowerPoint slides, I'd be glad to. Okay. Glad to yeah, I saw the.
um, connections with patients and your interest in Spanish. So having an opportunity to take some time and reflect on um, you know, things that are going to be important to you, there might be particular requirements that, that you're needing to take care of. That handout that I, I had up at the top, nine domains to um, determine your gap year experience, that was something that we went through the other evening. Just to think about major areas of, of um, issues that you might want to consider as you're determining sort of of all the sea of options that are available where you might begin to hone in on some things that are, are going to be right for you and, and for your needs. So reflection is ultimately the first step in the process. So talking about search strategies, um, depending on the type of opportunity that you're looking for, um, whether it's a job, an academic opportunity, scholarship or fellowship, um, perhaps a working fellowship or research, that's going to require slightly different search tactics. Um, obviously, if you're looking for a job, places like e-recruiting um, that you can access within the Career Center, does everyone have their e-recruiting account activated? Have you had opportunity to search for for internships or things that might look appealing? Yeah, that would be that would be one place to start, depending on what you were interested in. Um, just as a side note, after you graduate, you have an opportunity to get career services for up to four years out after you graduate, and you you no longer have access to an e-recruiting account, but you can get the the uh, the mothership, so to say, of e-recruiting, which is experience.com, and you can also sign up for that through through um, the Career Center website. LinkedIn can be another source of identifying jobs or possibly research opportunities. Job boards, um, different, different disciplines have different aggregators for identifying different positions. Um, you may be interested in looking for clinical research assistant positions. Those sometimes show up on sites like simplyhire.com or indeed.com. The USIF Scholarship and Fellowship Database, USIF stands for Office of Undergraduate Scholars and Fellows here at Duke. That's going to be one of the websites that we'll actually go to later on um, during my presentation just to take a look at that. There's a database. USIF has has been accumulating over the years a wide variety of working fellowships and schol academic scholarships and fellowships in a database that allows you to search based on you know, broad categories or tags that you might be interested in. Um, that's something that, as the career center individual who is responsible for um, fellowship initiative, that's, that's a project that I really look forward to updating with a lot of other fellowships that I've been accumulating over the over the years. So that's definitely a place to put on your list of places to identify. Um, you know, different organizations offer one or two year working fellowships, paid, paid opportunities. That's definitely an option. Um, finding out about opportunities through networking. I'm sure that you have heard of the value of networking and that is that is also true in gap year experiences. That could be something that could be very helpful if you were interested in working with a particular nonprofit, for example, um, trying to identify individuals through LinkedIn or do connect that you might be able to, to network to find out about opportunities. Idealist.org is another um, or, um, website that has a lot of 
nonprofit-based type opportunities. So that could potentially be something that you might want to check out, Adam, for, for opportunities associated with dental dental work in the nonprofit arena. And then the Career Center website. If you go to the Career Center website, we have a whole host of what we call career option guides. And within each of those, um, you know, there are numerous links that may provide opportunities that um, aren't listed someplace else. So just a listing of a wide variety of resources here. Um, networking strategies, who might be part of your networking web, so to say. Um, one of the most important groups of individuals would be what we call your board of advisors. Who are those individuals that know you um, in different facets of your, your career here at Duke, or perhaps back in your hometown, your high school? It might be a professor, it might be an individual that served as your supervisor when you were on Duke Engage, it might be a high school teacher. Those people that you go to for advice, they can be excellent sources of networking opportunities, particularly professors and, and other staff and faculty here at Duke. Rich, rich resource for talking with about various ideas. Um, faculty, upperclassmen, um, all of you are still in the position where you know, you know someone who is um, older than you. So talking with other individuals um, about opportunities that they may have heard someone talk about, just talking with people that you know. Um, Duke alums, you might meet Duke alums through the context of service organizations that you belong to, or you belong to sorority and fraternity. Um, alumni are incredible. Opportunities for networking, as well as former supervisors. I mentioned that that earlier, um, but keep in mind that you know people for whom you have you have worked in the past. Um, maybe you've had a part-time job here on campus, and you had a particularly strong relationship with them, or could be a supervisor that you had in an internship. Those can be very valuable resources for um, you know connections as you're reaching out and developing a network for identifying gap year resources. Um, yes, so additional resources would be Duke Connect. How many people have accessed alum through Duke Connect? Is that a resource that you're familiar with? Okay, um, I should have added that link. Duke Connect is a database of over 6,000 Duke alums who have opted into that database to um, be willing to have networking conversations with individuals. So you might be interested in, let's, there was there was someone at last week's workshop who was really interested in exploring the possibility of healthcare consulting for the after experience. Um, that individual could go to Do Connect and search on healthcare consulting, and a list of alumni would come up who have healthcare consulting in their um, profile, either past or present. Um, you're able to send an email directly to the alum from Duke Connect. So, you know, reaching out in an in, in informational interview capacity um, to develop a connection, getting advice. Duke Connect is a fabulous resource. LinkedIn is another opportunity for connecting with individuals, both from an industry or organization standpoint, or you can also identify Duke alums who are affiliated with um, various organizations. 
how many of us have LinkedIn profiles? Okay. Um, that's that's another another piece of your career development portfolio that I'd really encourage you to to develop to its fullest potential because that can be very valuable for reaching out to individuals. Um, not only finding out about gap year experiences, but also you know about professional experiences. Um, I mentioned the informational interview. That can be a wonderful source of information about, you know, the experience of that particular individual and getting to the position that they are now. You can find out a lot about somebody's company. You can, you know, find out um, how your particular interests might fit with, within the type of work that that individual is doing. You might simply ask for advice based on their experience, you know, what would be some organizations that you might recommend I talk to? Um, I frequently tell individuals when we're talking about networking conversations, the best, one of the best questions to ask towards the end of the conversation is who else would you recommend that I talk to? Because that can automatically expand your networking options beyond, you know, what you're immediately aware of. So that can be a good, a good um, resource. Networking opportunities can take place in lots of different lots of different arenas. Um, conceivably, on campus, you can have all kinds of opportunities for networking. Career fairs. Um, if you choose to go to information sessions, um, you know, again, if you are interested in a company or a nonprofit, um, that organization might be coming to campus to hold an information session. Reaching out to individuals associated with that. Um, you know, departments might be having. Fairs where they invite a variety of professional schools, reaching out to individuals associated with schools, keeping keeping in touch with individuals on a departmental basis. That can be a great networking opportunity. And if you have an opportunity to go to professional meetings, that can be a great place for um, making networking contacts. So, you know, all of these all of these resources can be things that you can tap into, you know, as you're beginning the process of solidifying direction for gap year experience. Um, it's important to think about these networking conversations as resources for the long term. Um, I encourage folks to keep in touch with people that they've, they've reached out to. If you meet somebody at a career fair or if you talk with someone that you connected with through Do Connect, keep track of that individual and you know, Set up a system where you can keep track of these contacts, what what the content of your conversation might be, and you know try to plan for yourself a periodic just touching base with individuals. I, as I've been talking with students about this, I'm finding I'm guilty of that myself. I have several professors over at North Carolina State that I really intended to keep close touch with, and it's been over a year since I've reached out to touch base with them. But simply sending a brief email of hey, I just wanted to update you on what I'm doing, or I found this article and thought of you, want to share it with you. Just something to keep those relationships alive um, for potential future opportunities. And the power of thank you. I, I can't emphasize enough how important it is in um, networking um, connections to, to offer a word of thanks to an individual who spent time with you. Does anybody have a, a, a story of um, a networking connection that they made that has 
proven to be a real source of encouragement and help as you've been going through your, your college career? That's fine. Adam? Um, so like, over spring break, I was working great. I was part of, well, back in high school, I was part of a college search program. Mm -hmm. And so, over, like, before spring break, I was looking to, like, kind of do some sort of, like, general channeling over spring break. Mm -hmm. So I emailed one of the, like, I just emailed one of the, like, program coordinators of that program to, like, I know that she works with a lot of donors. Yeah. And so I emailed her, like, hey, how are you doing? Just checking up with you. And, like, I'm interested in doing X, Y, and Z. And then she was like, oh, I know people who do that. And she forwarded my name to, like, four different people. And then I had, like, Dennis email me. Excellent. So that was really cool. So I got to do some cool chattering over spring break. Because I just had to come out. Excellent, excellent. Prime example of um, keeping a relationship alive and yeah, for the benefit. I hope you thank the individual that uh, resourced you so well. Thanks for sharing that. Documents for application, resume. How many of us have resumes that would be ready to, to share with somebody at a moment's notice? Excellent, excellent. Um, Typically, you want to ensure that that speaks to a position that you might be applying to. Um, it's an opportunity for you to talk about um, transferable skills that, that you have accumulated in your experience. Sometimes students might be looking at opportunities that seem very unrelated to um, the research or coursework that they have been engaged in on campus, but if you step back and, and look at some of the transferable skills, like skills of analysis, problem solving, collaboration, teamwork, you know, the way that you can show that on, on your resume is very important in helping the reader um, determine your fit for a particular position. Um, you're probably no stranger to our um, describing accomplishment statements as both what you did, the action that you took, and also the impact or result of that. So that can be a much broader and fully dimensional viewpoint of how it was that you contributed to the particular organization or company that you were um, Cover letter, obviously that's another application document that's tailored to a specific position. And you want to view that as an opportunity to, to really market yourself and your skills and experience for the particular opportunity that you're applying to. So you want to include in your cover letter um, you know, different aspects of your resume that you can more fully develop to speak to your fit for a particular, particular position. Um, if there's an opportunity to include a cover letter, don't not take advantage of that, but don't submit a cover letter that just looks like it's been a form letter that has been sent to several several different jobs. It's, it's really a great opportunity to give the reader you know, an added, um, added depth of your understanding that you under that you see how you're a fit for the for the position and you can understand those things. Um, best by really combing through the job description and even doing research on the company or organization that you're looking to apply to. Um, for some of the working fellowships and potentially for you know, um, graduate programs, if you find yourself applying to those as part of your gap year experience, a personal statement might be one of the, the um, documents that's added. Generally, those, those are written in response to prompts or questions 
And um, that behooves you to take time to research in depth the program or organization that you're applying to and also to reflect on yourself and your experience so you are able to answer those prompts with, with really a full complement of information and understanding of how you are a fit for that, that position. That's generally what they're asking for. How, how do you see yourself making a contribution um, to, this, to this particular opportunity? Um, this first bullet point here is an example um, prompt from Teach for America. So in 500 words, tell us why you seek to join Teach for America, what do you hope to accomplish, and how would you determine your success? I've had the privilege of um, reviewing <coughs> some of these personal statements and you know, it's really an exercise in concise and pointed writing when you've only got 500 words to express some, some very significant things about yourself. So personal statement might be something that you um, are called on to contribute. Um, in addition to the Career Center, being more than happy to um, review statements with you, I really encourage you to take advantage of the writing studio here at Duke. I did a workshop last fall where one of the writing studio staff came and did a presentation on um, writing personal statements. They've got some excellent resources, both through workshops and also on their website for, for providing additional, additional help with that. Um, sometimes you might be interested in an opportunity or an organization for which there's not an obvious posting or not an obvious application process. Um, in that case, you might be in the position of um, submitting a letter of interest. So you might decide that there is a particular pharmaceutical company out in Research Tribal Park that you would really like to see about the possibility of perhaps doing a year of um, research with, with one of their with one of their PIs, and you might be really interested in the work that they do. So, you know, identifying somebody on their website that looks like a likely person <coughs> to direct this to. Um, strategy for putting that together would be to really research the company, really think about what you could bring to a particular position within that company, and write, craft a, a brief um, email that introduces yourself, um, introduces what it is that you're looking for, makes a brief statement of how you see yourself contributing to the company or the group, um, and then indicating that you'd be very um, willing to talk with them about this opportunity. So it, it's different from a cover letter in that you're not applying specifically to a position, but you have done your homework to see how you could be a good fit for that type of position. You might also be writing this type of letter if you were interested in um, querying a principal investigator who's doing a particular type of clinical psychology research that you're interested in to see if they have a position for one or two years in their laboratory. So in that case, you might be researching what that individual has done for their um, research question for publications that, that they might have and put out a letter of inquiry you know seeing how you might be able to connect with them even though there isn't anything particularly advertised. Um, in this case it's also helpful to include your resume so not only does 
the individual have a brief description of how you see yourself fitting into their organizational laboratory, but they've also got to be able to provide information like that as well. Um, talking about references and recommendations, how many folks have been in the position of asking for references for an internship or letters of recommendation? So you aren't, you aren't strangers to this whole process. Um, references generally are speaking to your, your skills and capabilities of contributing to a job or an internship, um, that, type of, that type of connection. Um, usually references are contacted via phone or email to talk with supervisors who might be wanting to inquire about you. And you generally include that via a reference list. Um, we don't recommend that you list references on your on your resume, but those are typically added as, as another part of the application process. Um, letters of recommendation, obviously, as you've experienced, are written for um, specific programs or opportunities that you might be applying to. Um, written by people who know you well and are able to speak to your, your capability for particular, particular opportunities. Um, I don't know if you experienced this when you were providing letters of recommendation for um, different opportunities, but sometimes when letters of recommendation are requested in an online capacity, there might be some type of confidentiality form that, that you have to fill out or even you know, you indicate that you are not going to ask to, to read the letter of recommendation, so that might, that might be a part of the process as well. Um, from your own experience, I'm sure you know this, ask politely and, and give plenty of opportunity for the individual to write, write your letter of recommendation. Um, I was in a workshop last fall where there was a panel of faculty talking about this very process in terms of you know, what it was like from the faculty standpoint fielding students' um, requests for, for recommendations. And they said, you know, it's very important that if you're asking somebody for a letter of recommendation that it's someone who knows you well. If, if you don't have, you know, someone who knows you well, take the opportunity to take them out to lunch or go out for coffee and talk with them about the opportunity that you're applying to. They, the faculty were also, I hadn't stopped to think about this, but the faculty were also talking about how not infrequently students might be applying to three, four, or five different opportunities for which they're all needing letters of recommendation. So, you know, a faculty member might be asked to write multiple letters of recommendation, again, uh, giving them plenty of, plenty of time to be able to do that. Um, from your own experience, you may have been asked to provide your recommender with your resume, with a copy of the job description for something that you're applying to. Um, other documents that you, you submit in the application, when I'm asked to write a letter of recommendation, I always ask for all of that information. I, I want to, to see the student's record or resume. I really want to see a description of the, the program that they're applying to so I can speak to their qualification for that with a, an idea of what that program is looking for. And I also find it helpful for the student to forward me any 
you know, application essays that they might have submitted or their personal statement that can really help me have a better window into what the student is thinking uh, during the um, application process. And again, thank you. This is a very important part of that process. Interview strategies. Um, different types of interviews. Behavioral interview is going to be the most common um, experience that you'll have. Typically, questions in a behavioral interview are um, those that will talk about getting you to talk about your experiences. Um, tell me about a time when you had to lead a group through a very difficult decision-making process. Or tell me about a time that you had to, by yourself, bring a project from start to completion with a very short time frame. Some of those kinds of things to really get an idea of how you operate in different situations. For individuals who are um, looking at more of the consulting type of positions, um, typically case study interviews are going to be part of, part of their experience, um, which is on the spot significant problem solving. And there are books and material uh, resources put together to help people prepare for that. Um, I put in parentheses there the, the name of the book that we frequently recommend for um, students who are going to be um, engaged in case study interviews. Um, some of our engineering friends, computer science friends, might find themselves in technical interviews. So um, there were several engineering students at the workshop last week. It's conceivable that they might, in their gap year experience, find themselves in a place where a technical interview, um, you know, talking about computer programming might, might actually be part of their, their process. Um, some interviews might include you actually giving a presentation. So depending on the type of opportunity that you're applying for, there might be different aspects of interview type included in that. Um, resources for helping you with prepare for interviews. Mock interviews at the Career Center. We are delighted to set up situations for you that will mimic the type of um, interview that you might be preparing for. I've, I've had um, multiple opportunities to do mock interviews for um, individuals who are interviewing for Teach for America. So it's an opportunity to really go through a series of questions in an interview situation, then we take time to debrief people on what, what the individual was feeling during that, what areas did you feel uncomfortable with, what did the interviewer notice about you to try to, to, try to um, help you to focus on your strengths and identify areas that you might want to bolster. Um, the Career Center has a great interview skills guide that offers a lot of um, example questions for behavioral interviews. So if you go to the Career Center website, online tools and resources, and go down to the skills guide, I think you can find that to be a very helpful resource as you're preparing for different types of interviews. And then obviously practice. Um, one of the most frequent questions utilized in interviewing is, so, Tim, tell me about yourself. And, you know, your 90-second elevator pitch, how are you going to prepare to, you know, share the essence of who you are in a concise and um, clear fashion with an individual. I don't know about you guys, but I can think about that very clearly. But when it comes time to transfer that into speech, if I'm not careful, I can 
wind my way through a lot of unrelated information. So, you know, practicing, practicing in front of a mirror, practicing with a friend. Practicing if you get um, involved in a situation where you might have a phone interview. Um, that can be a very different type of situation than a face-to-face -face interview because you don't have the visual cues of what the individual is um, communicating to you by body language and facial expression. So practice is a big piece of interview strategy. So here we are just taking some four examples. Um, this is the uh, website that I was referring to that has a variety of fellowships and scholarships listed in it. So let's think for a moment about identifying a working fellowship opportunity. So here we are on the USEF website, and this is the database that I was referring to. So you can see by the click of a button that there are 11 pages of fellowships listed in here of a lot of different varieties from social entrepreneur opportunities to working with the Duke Endowment, Teach for America. Um, there are health and life sciences options in here too. So let's just say, for example, you were interested in education and teaching. You would have a list of organizations that have fellowships that fall somewhere in the, in the region of education and teaching. Um, let's take a look at Blue Engine Fellowship. So clicking on that will give you more of the description of the particular opportunity. And then there is always included a link directly to the application website. <coughs> or close. Unless they have changed their websites, which I have found that to be the case in recently in exploring some of these websites. But I see here Yes, we're on Blue Engine. And you can see that there are applications for, for um, fellows for next year is closed. But this is the type of um, route that you might take to identify, identify working fellowships um, through this database. Also search by keyword up here. And there's also a list of tags down here that might be a little more broader than some of the, the categories in the search box up here. So I would I would definitely put that on your radar screen to explore as you're considering different types of opportunities that we kind of lump into the, the working fellowship category. Um, Another thing to consider in relation to working fellowships 
every year in the middle of the fall, like usually October, we have what we call a nonprofit and government career fair. And a number of organizations that have working fellowships that we have listed in this database are actually on campus recruiting for students. So that can be a great opportunity to find out about different organizations. Okay? Any questions about that? Different fellowships obviously are going to have different application specifics. Um, most likely, they're going to require some number of recommendations. And particularly with, with working fellowships, I think, you know, as you begin to be interested in exploring that, it's really good to keep your finger on the pulse of what the application deadlines are looking like, different clumps of fellowships have different deadlines so you know if you begin to explore just kind of make a note of when application deadlines are so you don't get shut out of a particular opportunity because you missed a deadline okay um, sometimes students might be interested in doing a one or two year research gig if you will at the NIH the NIH has a has a wonderful um, post-baccalaureate um, intramural research training award program that offers opportunities to connect with principal investigators at a wide variety of um, national institutes of health. Um, the NIH is comprised of a whole variety of institutes, so um, this, is a, this is an opportunity to explore research um, ventures in lots of different areas of um, medical and dental research. Um, I would suggest that um, if you're remotely interested in exploring this type of opportunity that you take the, um, take a few minutes to browse through this video that they've put together on the actual application process. Um, you can learn a lot just um, scrolling through different sections up here. There's a, a, um, a staffer from the NIH that um, actually from the technical education group. Yes, Sharon, that um, walks you through the process and gives some really good tips about networking with different individuals that you might be interested in connecting with. Um, you know, steps for putting your application in. So that can be a really valuable resource if you're thinking about applying to the NIH post-bac UTA research opportunity. Um, one of the things that they strongly recommend as you're in the process of applying for something like this is that you reach out and network with the principal investigators that you're interested in connecting with. That gives the PI a heads up that you're interested in in um, his or her laboratory them to pull your, your application out. So again, networking is a very important part of the, part of the process. Um, clinical research assistant, I had mentioned that earlier when we were talking about um, letters of interest. I've talked with numbers of seniors this year who are interested in a one or two year clinical research assistant position. Um, there have been Duke alums who have reached back to Duke saying, 
I'm in one of those. I'm getting ready to leave. If you know of anybody who would be interested in taking my place, please have them get in touch with me. That's one route for, for finding out about opportunities. I've been accumulating some information over the year that um, I've got a spreadsheet that one of the seniors found on the website of Catholic University of America that lists PIs from around the country who are doing clinical research and have at one time or another um, had these one or two year um, research assistant positions. That would be an, an example of submitting a letter of interest to inquire about a possible opportunity being available. Who do you know on campus that you might talk to about references for something like that? Um, what types of labs might be of interest to you, thinking about that? If you're perhaps interested in your gap year experience being in a particular region of Pennsylvania, you might be interested in focusing on colleges and universities in that particular area and reaching out to individuals who are doing research that, that you find intriguing, that you would want to approach, again, with a letter of interest about you know, the possibility of finding a clinical research position. Um, I have been on the biology majors listserv this year, and I have seen numerous positions like that come across. So getting on listservs here on campus can be a great opportunity to begin um, perusing those kinds of opportunities. Again, applying for something like that, it might be a letter of interest, reaching out to find out about the opportunity, or it might be an advertised opportunity that requires a cover letter and a resume. Again, networking can be a very valuable um, resource as you're trying to identify these types of positions. Um, healthcare consulting, I put that up there again, just speaking back to last week, there were several students who were interested in thinking about, well, maybe I want to go into the, the world of work before, before I head to professional school, or I've got this sense that I'm really wanting to explore the business side of healthcare, but how can I, how can I test that out? Well, some students have tested that out by um, connecting with different healthcare consulting firms. So there are, I have been accumulating lists of healthcare consulting firms that recruit at Duke, but you can certainly identify that through LinkedIn searches or Google searches. You know, taking a look at companies that would be doing the type of consulting that you might find interesting. A company like Deloitte or um, BCG, they might not be doing things as related to healthcare as something smaller like Prospective or another one of those companies that's doing more pharma or biotech type consulting. So, you know, trying to identify companies that might fit your interest in where you'd like to explore this. Obviously networking. Um, the application process, depending on the type of company it might be, you might have identified an opportunity through e-recruiting here on campus. It might be something that you would be applying for through the company website. It might be an application that comes as a result of a networking connection. Um, the interview preparation here would be one of the examples where um, case study preparation would suit you well in preparing for an interview. And I think being able to really identify and articulate transferable skills that you have developed as a result of your different experiences, coursework again. What are the things that make a good consultant? Problem solving, analytical skills, teamwork. 
you know, how would you I, um, show that from different um, experiences that you've, you've had as part of your career here at Duke? So that's, that's another example of potential gap year experience and some of the things that might be associated with um, pursuing that opportunity. How can the Career Center help you? Um, we would be delighted to have conversations honing in more specifically on the types of areas that you'd be interested in. Um, sharing resources if we had them, brainstorming ways that, that you could identify those. Helping you talk through different options that you might be exploring. Definitely helping with the, the resume, cover letter, personal statement review. Again, mock interview practice. Um, networking preparations. Sometimes it can be helpful just to talk with somebody else about the, the options that might be good people to connect with um, in a networking type capacity. Um, we offer 30-minute consulting, consulting, hmm. counseling opportunities. And I wanted to let you guys know that we're open regular hours during the summer. So if something came up and you wanted to have a phone conversation or you wanted to Skype in to, to talk about something that you were you were interested in pursuing or um, you know talk through some options that you were considering. We're here during the summer, except when we're not on vacation and meetings. Um, we don't do the 15 minute drop-in advising um, sessions like we have during the school year during the summer, but that's definitely an option during the school year for a quick council development. So Questions, comments, suggestions, information to share. Has this been helpful in any sense of the word? Um, 
um, it might be if a GPA is an issue taking classes at a state college or university with a much less, um, much smaller price tag associated with that. I think it just depends on what it is that you feel would make you um, prepare you as a candidate. I don't think I don't think there's a checklist that med schools are looking for. Um, this is going to make you stronger, or this is going to make you stronger. You're going to be illustrating to them the competencies that you're coming with, what that experience has done for you is going to be a piece of that story. So um, it's it's all going to be individual how you feel that's going to be helping you to be a stronger candidate. Good question.